0: The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. Glenn Beck. The Blaze Radio Network.
1: I am always a little bit edgy about faith films because they can get so preachy and so just, oh, dear God. Uh, and <laughs> on top of that, I am always concerned when a friend says, hey, I've just made a new movie, and they give it to you. Watch it and tell me what you think. And you're like, oh, dear God, okay, I'll watch the movie. <laughs> um, because I just, I just you just never know. A friend of mine gave me a movie he's just finished called I Can Only Imagine, and... I watched it with my children and it is a fantastic movie and if you listen to me you know that I I say nothing when I especially when I have a friend I say nothing about a movie uh, or a project uh and I never will rave about something that I don't believe in I mm-hmm. think this is Absolutely fantastic. My son, who is like pulling teeth to watch anything other than a Marvel movie, watched it, was engaged the whole time, and loved it as well. It is a great movie. It is the true story of uh, uh, Bart Millard, um, and the song that, if you don't know, uh, is uh, a gigantic Christian uh, crossover song that has a really interesting story called I Can Only Imagine uh and it's the movie stars dennis quaid who plays bart's uh uh, father dennis is going to be joining us here in about a half an hour but i wanted to get bart in here to tell us the real story also john irwin is here who's my friend who's a movie maker and uh john uh, first of all if i may give you some details yes (laughs) uh this now this is you want to talk about the little engine that could okay uh, so far, they expected the you know the movie box office expected this movie. It opens today. It was in previews last night, right? Yeah,
2: previews last night. Yeah, uh,
1: they were expecting this movie to make two million dollars for the whole weekend. Last night alone in previews, it made one point three million dollars. It is one of the largest preview numbers for a faith film. I think only beaten by the Passion. So far this morning the ticket sales are now up to 2.3 million so that is that is the that's passing what they expected for the entire weekend it's currently the number one ticket uh, online this morning at movietickets.com and fandango uh, and this is going to be the breakout faith film that shocks the box office now you're in what a third of the movie theaters that panther we're
2: we're all in a state of shock at this point it's uh it's it's incredible and you know sometimes when you just when something's meaningful and inspirational uh to you you just have to trust that it will be to other people and this song made a huge impact in my life at a time of loss it was kind of like a beacon of hope you Mm -hmm. know and and i just we all just felt like there were more of us out there Can you
1: real quick before I, cuz I want to talk to Bart cuz he has such a great story. Can you tell me the test results? I mean, didn't it just Yeah, the,
2: yeah, it tested uh higher than um uh, pretty much any Faith film has ever. It, it tested at 96 total positive which and uh, 91 definite recommend. That's but it's uh 40 points above average uh, in every category yeah. and uh you know, I just think it's it's a, a song movie. beloved by millions of people, and I think once they know the story behind the song, uh, it's going to make it even more meaningful. And I think
1: it's one of Dennis Quaid's best uh, roles he's it's ever incredible. played. Incredible. Incredible. mean, incredible.
2: It, it, one of the most humble, authentic, like, I, it was totally unique in his body of work. Yeah, it is. And he deserves a lot of credit. Yeah.
1: Okay. So Bart is here. Hello, yeah. Bart. How Hello. are you?
3: I'm great. <laughs> Good.
1: Uh, I bet you are. I bet you are. So tell me, because the the story revolves around you and your relationship with two fathers in yeah. heaven and, and your dad uh, that you grew up with. Right. He was truly a monster, mm-hmm. really a monster.
3: Yeah, he was, uh, my parents divorced when I was three, and um, my mom remarried when I was in third grade, and they moved from Greenville, Texas down to San Antonio, and and uh, decided that for whatever reason it was best, my whole family was in the Greenville area, and so for whatever reason decided that my brother and I would live with my dad, who wasn't, he had a bad temper but was never really abusive towards like me or my brother until after my mom moved away, and it, it got really bad. He took it for uh, for some reason, he, if he had a bad day, he took it out on me. I don't remember many weeks where I wasn't beaten three or four times a week, and uh, and this went on until you know, um, probably my freshman year in, in high school when my dad was diagnosed with cancer, and um, and literally, I uh, kind of had this front row seat to see this man go from being a monster to somebody that l- that like literally fell in love with Jesus and his life completely changed, and to the to the point to where he was like my best friend the godliest man ever knew by the time he passed away
1: so your your childhood Mm. um he not only he not only beats you but um is at least in the movie Mm. he's also convincing you at the same time uh that you're completely worthless and you'll never accomplish any of your dreams yeah
3: yeah he was a he was a football star like one of the only all-americans ever to come out of greenville small town and he went to smu and and uh, like I was named after Bart Starr, and like football was everything. Mm. And um and uh, either hurt his knee or somehow ended up quitting college and getting married and and um just always had this you know don't your dreams are worthless you, know, you get a real job you know it's just gonna it's gonna ruin you and you know because that was all he ever wanted to do and it just didn't work out and so and you know between that and I guess never remarrying and then cancer set in he's just an angry angry person. So, in the movie, he
1: listens to you on the radio in mm. one of your songs, but that obviously is not working in the timeline of real life so right. what was the what was the pivot point of your dad's life in real life
3: well, in uh, real life, my dad was diagnosed and I was a freshman in high school he passed away when I was a freshman in college and um and so the change was definitely over time in that four or five year period um you know he um uh, we when I was little, we went to church and then just you know, he just kind of got sick of it and, and it was angry and like when I was in seventh grade started going to like the youth group like it was just another uh, excuse not to go home so the church kind of raised me mm-hmm. and he was almost jealous of it and, and liked the church even less because of that and and somewhere along the way just realized that we would I would always I would sing in church from time to time and we you know broadcast in the local am rate station or whatever mm-hmm. and uh, not long before he passed away he would start telling me you know i've, I've always listened because i just didn't think he cared so that's true then yeah right? that's that part true. Of that movie because yeah. that's a powerful powerful yeah. point i wish i could say that i in fact there's amazing one of my favorite scenes is uh when i go home to kind of confront my dad mm-hmm. and it's kind of this moment to where you know trace atkins plays Brickles, tell me you know you got to face your fears and it looks like it's going to be you almost know where the movie's going it's going to be this you know, angels singing and it's going to be this amazing moment. We're going to live happily ever after. And when we get there, my dad's, this change is already taking place, but I'm the one that's angry. And I have to tell you, that's why uh, that's one of the reasons why this worked for me. Mm.
1: I grew up with the, you know, in an abusive family myself. Mm. And there's no way if
3: you would have come home and said,
1: Oh dad, no question. It would never, it would have been the typical Christian movie. And it's funny because
3: when we originally, when they tested the movie and screened it, some people were like, we, I don't understand. Why would Bart have been angry? He's going to fix everything. I was like, well, obviously you haven't gone through what I went through because yeah. there was a there was an arrogance about me that if my dad was going to be saved, I was going to be a savior. Like, like I I deserve that almost. Like what he did to me, I'm going to be the one to change him. When I get there and he's already changed, I was literally, I genuinely was upset. Like, wait, who's doing this? Like you you don't. It was a weird like you don't have a right to to be good all of a sudden. Like I, and there's a part of me that didn't even want grace to be for him because I was so hurt and so angry and uh and so it ends up being. Me, I'm the one that it takes time to come around. Yeah. And the change is taking place and it just it over time it's like okay. And it's just it was me just trusting and being convinced that it was real.
1: Do you think if your dad hadn't have had that change that cuz at least in the movie mm-hmm. you were going down that road to some degree. Mm-hmm. Just you were just I mean it's normal. Mm-hmm, sure. If your dad hadn't had that change, do
3: you think you would have possibly followed in a similar path? Uh, I mean, I hope not, but I don't know. Like, you know, it's, you know, I I grew up in a little church that was, there's a little bit of legalism involved. And I remember always kind of being scared into, you know, divorced kids become divorced parents and mm-hmm. this kind of, you know, and just, and almost believing that was my identity. And that's who I was going to be, whether I liked it mm-hmm. or not. So there's a chance I would have fallen into it, just not realizing that, oh wait, I'm made for more than this. It's really, it's really an amazing thing because I grew up in a family, my mom
1: committed suicide Mm -hmm. and alcoholism and everything else. And, and for a long time in my life, I just thought I was, I was destined to do that because that's the way it ends in my
3: family. Yeah. And if, if I had a nickel for everyone that says, well, that's just who we are. Yes. Just who I am. And it's, yes. That's the biggest lie ever and it's hard and it's, it's, it's hard to get it's, past it's that. It's genuinely hard to break the chains. Of it that. is. It really is really hard.
1: So the, the song you write it about your, your dad, mm-hmm. uh, tell me about that writing process.
3: Well, when he passed away at a gravesite, my grandmother said, I can only imagine what Bub's seeing right now. And I was 19 and, and I became obsessed with heaven and it wasn't because I was a super spiritual kid or anything. It was almost like this kind of OCD thing. Like I became obsessed with him being in a better place versus looking at an empty bedroom and so and so it's like I'm telling myself like everyone doesn't lose someone they have to be in a better place because I'm the only time I was angry at God wasn't when I was being abused it was when I got the dad always wanted and he left and so and so I kept telling myself I thought that was a, again in the movie really yeah strong yeah. point yeah, yeah. Oh, really really yeah finally, now? finally? that I want yeah yeah, yeah. So that, when that's when I struggled the most. And so it, it, so it was almost like this superstitious, like I would write the phrase, I can only imagine anything I get my hands on. Like if I was on hold, I'm writing, my grandmother thought I was practicing my autograph, but I'd just be writing it over and over. It's, it's carved into a desk I had in college. And, and it was just something I always went to. And it was just me telling myself, he's in a better place. He's in a better place. It must be better than him being here because I really would like him here. And, and, um, and so years later I'm in the band and we're looking for one more song for an independent record and I'm literally trying to fight this is before smartphones and typing stuff on a computer I had these three journals that I would carry and I was looking for a blank page to write one more song for our album and literally every page had imagine or I can imagine written on it somewhere and so at first I was frustrated like I really need a blank page why do <laughs> I have to ruin every page and then all of a sudden I'm like oh I get it I totally get it and so it was, it's probably the only time in my life a song was written in about 10 minutes, but it'd been in my heart for a few years, so it wasn't just out of the blue. So it's about, uh, uh, it's about you, Bart. Mm-hmm. You're not in it. Um, Who plays you? My name Jay J. Michael Finley.
1: He's amazing.
2: Yeah, he's unbelievable. Who is he? His voice is like... I, that was the big question of who's going to play Bart, because Bart has this power voice. Yeah. And, and Andy and I spent many years in the music business, so we're like, this kid's got to sing, you know? He's got to sing these songs. You can tell if it's overdubbed. So I was in New York working, we had looked at a thousand people and, and all over the country turned up to empty and I went to see uh, Le Mis on, uh, uh, on Broadway and he was Jean the understudy Valjean. to Jean Valjean. But the understudy. Uh, well, no, here's the thing: an he understudy. Was no, an, well, an understudy would typically take four or five performances over the yeah. course of a run. But the main guy could only play about three performances a week because that vocal's so hard. So he played yeah. Valjean sixty-five times and closed uh, out the show. And closed yeah. out the show as Valjean. And so I'm watching him sing these iconic songs. Oh, the yeah. Best voice I've ever heard. Oh, he's great. he looks like Bart. Yeah, he's a pastor's kid from Missouri, and he saw Mercy Me play three times in concert in oh, high you've school. You've got to be kidding! Cast me. him on the spot. It Holy Unbelievable! Cow. Holy cow! Yeah. So that is your bart that's your band yeah. and
1: you were looking for a song you decided to you've, you you finally realized oh, i can only imagine might might be the song i should write <laughs> right yeah what, what happened because it wasn't really something that you even you felt passionately about but it wasn't something that you were like we've got to song. Right.
3: this is our song yeah we we recorded on independent record and we didn't even play it live for about a year because we, it was special to me but it was like the last song on the album and we were just doing church camp stuff like that and we just never did and some guy at a camp said hey man you can you play this imagine song tonight and i was like we don't even know it and so while wow. he's doing his little sermon we're behind the scenes like learning our song whispering it and then we played it and that first time ever and the spotlights on our face we couldn't see and when we finished there was no nobody made any noise and we we're like this is the worst decision of our career <laughs> and, uh, this is a horrible choice and when the lights came up, there were people were kind of at the altar and crying and we'd never seen anything like that and we are like, what, what, what is happening right now? And uh, throughout that, it, we went from selling like a 1,000 CDs on our own, our independent records. If we did that in a year, we thought, well, we can pay our phone bill. And uh, then that independent record did about 130, 140,000 units, which is like it would be a million on a record label. On our own, like out of the trunk of our car. And we we're shipping to like four or 500 bookstores out of our garage. And and uh, somewhere along the way, you know, Amy Grant heard about it and called and said she wanted to record it and we were like well i don't have any kids but hopefully they'll go to college one day because that just mm-hmm. seemed like a good move and we're like yeah knock yourself out and and is so, that
1: true the that part of the i don't want to give anything away but yeah is that true it's interesting
2: happened? the two the two reasons andy and i said that we want to do this film one is when bart said I, I watched god transform my dad from a monster into the man i wanted to become and mm-hmm. just that reconciliation but then andy was doing an interview for one of our other films in <laughs> atlanta talking to a dj and uh and and the, in the break, the, the DJ said, "Hey, what are you guys thinking about doing next?" And we said, "Well, thinking about it, I can only imagine kind of kicking the tires of it." And the guy said, "I was there. I was at the Ryman in Nashville when Amy Grant pulled Bart up on stage, wow. and he sang the song instead of her. We compressed and three she was planning on
3: doing it. Yeah, she it was it was her song, and it's like we we ended up signing and it was a B side on our album, but it was going to be her single, so she would be known for the song. And so right. we were literally, in their words, we were the guys that wrote Amy's next El Shaddai." And so uh, that's kind of how we ended up signing because we were the writers of Amy's Next Hit. But Amy took like a f- couple of years to actually, she took forever to make the album. So we released ours and our her whole plan was sunk because she'd never, nobody knew what the next El Shaddai was because she was taking forever. And so we were like panicked and our label's like, what do we do? And so what? how it really happened was about a week before we called and she was like, uh, we we're like, hey, any plans to release a song? And that's when she was like, you need to finish what you started. This is a career song for you. Hmm. So she handed it back and we were like, what? And she goes, but here's the problem. I've got to showcase this thing at the Ryman next week and it's not my song anymore. So you, you have to sing it. Hmm. And I really wish it would have been spontaneous where I couldn't have sweated bullets for a week. because yeah, like, yeah, my yeah, first yeah. time in Nashville was on, in the, ry- the Ryman, on the Ryman wow. with Amy and Vince. Yeah. singing and she was like hey you don't know these guys it's mercy me and this is their next song and so yeah that's it's on youtube somewhere you can find it mm. incredibly
2: selfless act by
3: her and we just compressed those two moments yeah. into one in the so film. tell me tell
1: me we're going to dennis quaid he's he's in the north pole? the north
2: pole he's shooting a show called fortitude for amazon uh-huh. and uh and and so basically he had a week off promoted the film he just went back and we've been talking quite a bit, but literally in the North Pole shooting this show, uh, talking to him a few nights
3: ago, and he's like, "Yeah, there's polar bears." I'm looking at the Northern Lights, and I'm like, uh, "Dennis, go inside, please." It's the nor- yeah, we we don't don't northern, the northernmost city in the world, and he said, "It's literally the population of the town is a thousand people with three thousand polar bears." Oh my! <laughs> he's not <gosh>. kidding. <laughs> I was like, are y'all packing heat? And, he goes, everybody's packing heat. by the heat way, here.
2: I thought we did pretty good uh, calmly because we, we've we got him. Uh, but uh, all morning leading up to about a half hour ago, all the phone lines were, they would ring and you get this weird Scandinavian, like something's wrong with the phone line message. And so we've been fixing that. And it's fixed. Yeah. So Dennis is on the other side. So line. we have our first guest
1: from the North Pole. We also have our first guest that could be eaten by a polar bear <laughs> during the interview. And what's amazing about Dennis is,
2: first of all, this I think is his career performance. Do you think he feels that way? I I think he, he this performance is so unique in his body of work. Yeah, I mean, I can't speak for him, but he he's proud of it. He's man. so it's proud really of it. Yeah. Good. He's so uh, he loves the film. We're, we, it's like we're a family. We really uh, bonded, and he really connected to his faith roots. And in fact, wrote a song he recorded for T Bone with T Bone Marette. Uh, on the set of Imagine and played it for Bart the first time. So, and it's amazing what, yeah. what what's happening in his life. It's
1: yeah, and his story is almost the exact opposite of Bart's. And yeah. yet there is this weird connection. Joined by uh, Bart Millard and John Irwin and uh, now Dennis Quaid uh, from the film I Can Only Imagine, uh, which is a remarkable film. Uh, and Dennis Quaid plays uh, Bart's dad, uh, it's a true story, and uh, his his father was um, in a line. Describe your dad. Uh, he was just the scariest man
3: I knew. Just really abusive, and no no substance abuse, nothing like that. He just he was just an angry person.
1: How close was Dennis in the role? How close was he to your dad?
3: Uh, you know. It, frighteningly close for you know i remember when i went in I, I got there when he started shooting his scenes and i got in late and the first scene i saw was when my dad was diagnosed with cancer and without ever having a conversation with me there were just parts of him that kind of creeped me out like how close they were and then then after he was like hey your dad's not here so you're my guy like you've got to tell me how this is and and uh yeah yeah i don't know i don't know if it was he was that accurate or it was just something about it it was i knew we were on something because there was some there were some some painful moments that I was like, okay, I'm feeling what I haven't felt in years. And so we're on to something here.
1: We're, we're waiting for Dennis Quaid to, uh, pick up the phone and get away from the polar bears. He is, <laughs> he is there now. He's, he's at the, at the North pole of all places. Dennis, are you there? Hello, Dennis.
2: He was there.
1: Okay. He was there. Is he there? Sarah, tell me what's, what's happening. We just,
3: Okay. Did a polar bear eat Dennis Quaid? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh, it's
1: happened. I, you know, in a world of... It's, you know, it's technology that is so incredible. You're kind of
2: like, we can't get a line from yeah, the North Pole. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah really. On. Why can we not yeah. talk to the North Pole? Right. You <laughs> know, I hear that What's you, interesting, I, if you've seen the show, it's Fortitude on Amazon. I get mm-hmm. cold just watching it. I'm like, why are you doing this show? Why not know, do a Hawaiian have, show? They, they have you know? green screens. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's like, he was excited about it. He's like, uh, yeah, we're going to the farther north, the most, the northernmost city that you can possibly travel to as a human
3: being. I'm like, and you're smiling yeah. right now dennis why he calls the other day and he was like it's 30 below and it was midnight his time he's like hold on let me go outside and get better signal and i was like don't do that <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 it's what is the uh what's the animal that luke has to open
1: up or uh, oh the tauntaun uh, yeah, yeah, he's <laughs> uh, if you're sleeping in a tauntaun let me know it's an
2: average of 20 below but the film actually did an amazing thing you know he he wrote, had written a song for his mom uh, 25 years ago called on my way to heaven never finished it a, an old-fashioned gospel because she's very devout and uh and he got to the set and just reconnected with his baptist roots he was baptized at nine years old with his brother randy uh, on the same day and uh kind of just it all stirred in him finished the song played it for bart uh for the first time and uh um and I, I guess Bart was probably a little nervous, like, uh, what do you say to Dennis Quaid if it's like I know. Yeah, right. was actually,
1: <laughs> see? See? See what yeah, happens? We'll see uh, what happens? Like, that's oh, what I felt like nah, with the movie.
2: What do you do? But then, uh, so it was really good, and he got with his uh, friend and producer, of legend, T-Bone Burnett, recorded it. Oh, we wow. just did a music video to it, and we're going to launch that next week. And uh, and he gave it to his mom on his 90 first, on, on her 91st birthday. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. It's really, he really had, good.
1: He, it's, it's incredible. And I kind of know if we can get him on the phone. How are we doing, Sarah? Okay. Call Santa. See if he can hunt. <laughs> um, the, uh, uh, what's amazing is he had kind of the opposite dad. Yeah. His dad, your dad was, you know, dreams are dead and get a real job. And Dennis, his dad, if I'm not mistaken, was uh, wanted to be an actor and uh studied to be an actor and then was shipped off to war mm. came back never pursued it
2: and always regretted it and said do it mm-hmm. do it do it do it yeah yeah and they did in fact uh Andy my brother was in New York and uh there was a theater they played in as a, a play he and his brother kind of launched that Gary Sinise really great friend uh was the director of it and and uh you know so they started very early Dennis Quaid's first movie was in 1976 he was an extra. Cloris Leachman was Hang the star. On. We have him.
1: Yeah, Cloris Leachman was in this, in this movie, too. Uh, Dennis, are you there?
0: Hey, yeah, Glenn. Hey. <laughs> uh, we, have we have contact. You have not been eaten by a polar bear. No, I'm 12 degrees from the north pole.
1: Oh, that's amazing. Uh, first of all, Dennis, I, I, I watched the movie, I think, earlier this week or late last week. Uh, and I think this is the the performance of your career. You you were fantastic oh, you. in this. Really good.
0: Thank you. Thank you. It's it's such a great inspiring story to begin with, and uh, the way I choose my movies is that I read them. You know, and uh, that's the first, only time I'm going to have a first time experience like an audience audience member. And uh, I was just it touched me in a place where I had no words. I just had to do it.
1: Your, your life, we were just talking about it, is in strange ways parallel. You were writing a song about your mom. This story is about a song about a dad. And Bart's dad was a monster and your dad seems to be the exact opposite in encouraging you to, yeah. to follow your dreams.
0: Yeah, my dad was uh, Yeah, uh, my dad probably got knocked around a bit when he was a kid, you know, like uh, kids in the 20s did know his dad wasn't there a lot and uh but um uh he was a, he was encouraged us he turned both my brother and i onto acting and was uh always doing comedy skits around the house and you know kind of rubbed off on us i think <laughs> and his dad um who i play in the film you know um bart himself called him a monster and basically that's what he was you know i uh, people who abuse they're usually were abused themselves. And, uh, I don't really know that story, you know, that can come from several places, but he was, a a pretty bitter man that you know, really took it out on uh, his son. Were you, con-
1: were you concerned a- at all about, I mean, you know, when you look at faith films, uh, there's a couple of things that could go through your mind that it could be really, really cheesy Uh, or uh, I could be, you know, marked uh, as somebody who is, you know, in these faith films. Did any of that concern you at all when when, uh, the Irwin brothers contacted you?
0: Well, any movie, whether it's a faith film or, you know, uh, stupid dumb comedy can be cheesy. and That doesn't have to be a faith film. Yeah. And uh, you can get marked by making a bad movie. Um, or if you make too many of them, let's put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I, I, don't know they say to me, they are films for the underserved. I'm they're sorry, the they're films for audience. the underserved. Okay, yeah. People, there's an audience in this country that has always been there that uh, that don't want movies and inspirational films or films that make them think films that they relate to and uh that there hasn't been uh, th- uh they haven't been serving that market and uh i think that's r- the reason there's such a groundswell for it
1: we're talking to uh, dennis quaid you're you're up in the north pole you're sh- you're shooting for fortitude
0: right yeah. yeah, it's a series that I'm doing for uh, Amazon in the States. It originated in uh, England, the sky Atlantic. Yeah. It's about a a strange little town up north. It's the northernmost town in the world, actually.
1: Yeah, and, and you and, kn- uh, you know they can recreate that without having to go to the <laughs> North Pole, <right? laughs>
0: we tried. We tried for two seasons in Iceland. To recreate could <laughs> quite get there <laughs> so
1: just real quick there are there are uh, three to one man to human or man to polar bear relationship there's that's
0: what they said they said it was three thousand polar bears and thousand human beings <laughs> and uh but i think the, the human beings have caught up <laughs> <laughs> really there's 150 thai people here uh Several people from uh, the Philippines from uh, Eastern Europe people come here to get a job it reminds me of maybe when the railroads were being built in mm. uh, the United States in the 1870s yeah but wasn't there
1: some uh, the, wasn't there uh, some place
0: it's, it's an interesting place
1: wasn't there some place to go when they built those railroads in America
0: yeah <laughs> uh, Hey, I mean, there's a big ocean out there.
1: <laughs> um, uh, Dennis, you, tell me about the song that you finished writing about your mom that uh, you were inspired to, to finish because of this movie.
0: I, I, yeah, I grew up in music all my life, and uh, I really loved, um, I wanted to say Bill Gospel. Songs. Um and uh, I wrote the song called On My Way to Heaven with that in mind about 25 years ago, I wrote it for my mom, and uh, I even played it for her at the time, Uh, but it never was quite finished, I never recorded it, and I never played it in public, something was missing, let's put it that way, and uh, along comes, uh, I can only imagine the movie, and uh, what it was about, you know, it was about a, a guy who, it's about his father, and uh you know, people uh, picked it up as the biggest uh, faith song or Christian song ever recorded, you know, about his dad. And, um, I don't know, it kind of inspired me. When I was on the set, all of a sudden the bridge came to me, <laughs> which is, you know, the last thing mit- missing from the song, which was the bridge, and which actually makes the song. And uh, I played it for Bart, and who uh, thought I should record it we didn't quite make, uh, getting it in the film itself, but, um, T-Bone, uh, Burnett, uh, produced it for me. Unbelievable. Who has been a good friend of mine for a while. There's yeah. It was like a, a, lot of things came together, uh, making this film in a very, very, incredible way. And, uh, um, so I finished it about, uh, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, and, uh, and, they made a music video of it, and we recorded it at, uh. Oh, we played it at one auditorium the other night with, uh, along with Bart. We opened it for Bart and his band, Mercy Me. Huh. And uh, now it's going to be out there.
1: Well, it's uh, it's, <laughs> fan- it's fantastic. And I really um, I wanted to uh, ask you to come on the program, and not only for both the film uh, because I thought it was really good, but uh, just to really honestly tell you, I, I, I was you know, I, I, I love your I love your movies. And quite honestly we had a discussion earlier today. We're a little pissed that there was an inner inner space too, but um, <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh,
1: but uh uh your your performance is is really good. Oscar Oscar worthy. Really good. So congratulations.
0: Well thank you. I appreciate that. But I've already you know really I've been a really good meeting that's really long and gotten my reward. The only reward I ever get uh with acting or any kind of endeavor is while I'm doing it and, uh, and work with those people and be on that set. And, uh, yeah, you know, I really learned a lot about myself and, uh, I got to witness, you know, the faith of, uh, the people that I was working with who were making this film. And it was Bart's father in a way, uh, you know, he turned his life completely around. And, uh, you know, first, through grace, and you could, it, well, he got cancer, and you could call it a death row uh, conversion, but it happened and it was real. And uh, he and Bart had the most beautiful relationship you could possibly have at the end of his life. And the gift he gave Bart is that Bart did not have to carry that around for the right. rest of his life.
1: It's a great gift. And
0: then Bart wrote this beautiful song that affected so many people. And strengthen their faith as well.
1: Dennis Quaid from the North Pole. Next yeah. time we speak, I'm I'm expecting you to be on uh, Mount Everest. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, thank- I'd
0: like to be there in person with you, man.
1: <laughs> I, I would Always I would love it. it. You're welcome anytime, Dennis Quaid. Thank you so much, sir. Thank Appreciate you. it. you. Bet the name of the movie is I Can Only Imagine, and it is open right now. It is already. If I can just get the stats that they they just released, it's the number one ticket movie uh, or movie ticket online already this morning on movietickets.com and Fandango. It is already, they were expecting it to make $2 million on its opening weekend. As of 6 o'clock this morning, it already had made $2.3 million. Uh, that's more than the total estimate for the entire weekend. Uh, And it is receiving rave reviews, including mine. I can only imagine uh, the story of Bart Millard. John, congratulations. What a great weekend. weekend. We're
2: we're all in a state of shock and appreciate the friendship, man. You bet.
1: Thank you. Bart, good job. (laughs) Yeah, thank Thank you so much. God bless.
3: Glenn
0: Beck, The Blaze Radio Network.